happy Saturday. I am your host, Liberty Lady Becca Marie, and you are listening to my new show, Freedom Speak, on Albuquerque's conservative talk, KDAZ, 96.9 FM, 700 AM, and listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. I got a great show set up for you today. Today is actually my very first show on this station. So, uh, got a lot of good things going on. I've got, I thought I would start off by giving you a little idea of the direction I want to take this show and how I want to do it. So basically, I'm going to start off my first hour. I'll have my opening monologue. If you guys have heard me before on the other station, you know I normally have a, an opening monologue. It's uh, kind of... It, it, it kind of gives you an idea of what the show is going to be about. And, and today I'm going to be talking about the destruction of civilization by the left. And they are certainly uh, doing their darndest to destroy everything in our lives. Um, I'm going to do my monologue on that. I'm going to start off by telling you a little bit about myself for those of you that have not heard me before since this is my very first show. And then I'm going to go into the second hour where we're going to have a discussion with my special guest, General Greg Zanetti, is with me today. And then in the third hour, we'll uh, do our conclusions and we're going to wrap up the show. And uh, I'll also, I also have some questions I'm going to ask uh, Mr. Zanetti because, as you may know, he is running for governor of the state of New Mexico. So anyway, uh, how I got started on all this, I, a couple of years ago, I was like a lot of you guys. I just pretty much just was living my life, voting. Hopefully you guys are voting. Everybody needs to be voting. And other than that, didn't take much of an interest in politics beyond that. And then these uh, restrictions started coming in. Mandates uh, is what they call them. Um, mandates, by the way, are not laws, and I, I keep stressing that all the time. I got involved in a lot of community organizing. I met with a lot of people that were organizing rallies. Uh, we did caravans. We did protests on the corners in town. We did a lot of that stuff. And it is, it, in a way, it's been a really great couple of years for me because I have met more friends. And, and when I say that, I'm meeting friends that are actually like-minded, which are wonderful friends that I have met over the past couple of years and built some wonderful friendships. And we're, we've been banding together, and we're making a difference in this state. So anyway, I got into going to these rallies. I got into organizing some rallies. And then I got to where I was speaking at some rallies and got to realize, wow, I'm pretty good at doing this public speaking stuff. And I started a uh, Facebook page, started doing social media. And then I didn't really find radio. It kind of found me. So I was doing a show with a partner, and we were working together on it. Uh, and I was doing as a co-host, and we did it for a year. Did a very popular show. I'm not naming names here. So um, we did a really popular show, built quite an audience, and here I am uh, now. At uh, got my own show on KDAZ, so I'm really excited about that. So anyway, a little bit about me. I'm a degreed engineer in, in uh, communications electronics. I've been doing field, field engineering for about 40 years now in my life, and I'm a private pilot, and I have uh, pretty much just taken a lot of interest in politics lately. I'm, I'm a big history buff. I love history. And since I've been doing this radio stuff, I've found that I've been doing a lot more reading than I uh, normally do. And it's really been a very enlightening experience. So 
I'm really big on the Constitution. I'm big on personal liberty and freedom. And I am really hopping mad about what the government is trying to do to us. And so I've been trying to enlighten everybody because if all you do is watch the fake news, you're not really seeing what's going on. So anyway, as far as my topic today goes, I was thinking a lot about civilization and what civilization is. A lot of people maybe don't realize what it is. They may think uh, it, 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 it's on different levels. You have uh, civilization as far as just a country goes in which you have a group of states, a group of communities, and they all work together and they have certain laws and customs which they live by uh, in common. And you may even have different cultures mixed into that one civilization. And then you got a civilization as the entire world civilization. So anyway, I did a little bit of research on that. So I um, have quite an open prepared for you. And of course, I'll elaborate on it as I go, because as I always do. So the word civilization comes from a Latin term, civitas. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Or city. And Dictionary.com defines civilization as an advanced state of human society in which a high level of culture, science, industry, and government has been reached. Civilization also means nearly the same thing as culture or even regional traditions, including one or more separate states. A great example of a fallen civilization would be the Roman Empire. I like to re refer to that one because the Roman Empire lasted for about a thousand years. And the Roman Empire ruled over nearly all of the known world at the time. According to some of my research, it would seem that the Roman Empire collapsed due to a few contributing factors. Now, this is very important because I'm always saying that you really, really need to know history because history often repeats itself. And if you don't learn history, you're more often, um, you're more apt to repeat it if you don't know. So... One factor was that the empire expanded. Its culture became diluted. As a result, many people identified less and less as Roman citizens. Now, we're seeing that a lot in the United States. We're seeing, and especially with all this illegal immigration going on. Now, people hate it when you use the word illegal immigrant, but if you come into the country, if you sneak into the country, you sneak across our border, you bypass the checkpoints, I'm sorry, you're breaking the law, you're an illegal entrant. And so what happens is, what's been happening, literally millions of these people have been getting into our country, and thanks to our current administration, they're being snuck in in the middle of the night, and they're being deposited all over our country. We have no idea who they are. A lot of these people are fighting-age men. And just remember back, if you're old enough to remember what happened on 9-11, remember that? Remember what happened when just a handful of violent terrorists got into this country and hijacked a few airplanes? Look at the damage that they did. So imagine if we had thousands of these types of people in this country. And let's say, for instance, they might uh, coordinate an, an attack on our country from the inside. You ever seen the movie Red Dawn? I love that. Uh, not, the, not the remake, but the original one. Uh, the remake is terrible. But the original one, uh, it really gives you an idea of how difficult it would be to deal with an attack on our country from within. So I'm just pointing that out because, yeah, a lot of these people are probably harmless. A lot, but, you know, another thing that's going on here, we're talking about, they're, they're being used as mules or being used as diversions, okay? So you have these illegal aliens coming across the border. Border Patrol is 
pretty much devoting all of their assets to these illegals that are crossing. And what may be happening in the other hand is that uh, drugs and, uh, all, and criminals are being smuggled in someplace else where they're not watching. So another major fact was the barbarians. Now that's, let me give you a definition of what barbarians is. You may think, oh, barbarians, that's people with, you know, spears and, and armor and, and, and things like that coming. Well, not necessarily. It's a term that covers a variety, a varied and changing group of outsiders. These barbarians were embraced by Rome who used them as suppliers of tax revenue and bodies for the military, even promoting them to positions of power. But Rome lost territory and revenue to them, especially in northern Africa, which Rome lost to the Vandals at the time of St. Augustine in the early 5th century AD. So what's happening is, is we have these barbarians, which are people that are uninvited, they're coming in, they're using up our resources. I mean, I mean they're really, really using up our resources. I mean, you heard about uh, the, the Biden administration talking about plans to give them $450,000. It's like, what, have we lost our minds here? Really? $450,000? They're, they're coming in, they're, they're, giving them, they're giving them supplies, they're giving them show, they're putting them up in hotels, and then they're putting them on air, airplanes and flying them places, and, uh, and basically they're disappearing into our country. So we don't know who they are. We don't know what they're up to. And these children that show up without their parents, what's happening to them? We don't know. Are they, are they being sold into slavery we don't know. So at the same time the Vandals took over the Roman territory in Africa, Rome lost Spain to the, I hope I pronounced this word right, Sueves, Alans, and Visigoths. The loss of Spain meant Rome lost revenue along with the territory and administrative control. A perfect example of the interconnected causes leaded to Rome's fall. That revenue was needed to support Rome's army and Rome needed its army to keep what territory it still maintained. Another factor I found was the decay of the army due to incompetent leaders and rewards that were unfairly distributed. Un incompetent leaders. Wow, do we have any of those right now? Yeah, I think so. What about the debacle in Afghanistan? I would say that that's probably due to a little bit of incompetence, wouldn't you think? Lastly, there were economic factors, which included inflation, overtaxation, and feudalism. Inflation, wow, we're seeing that right now. You know, the other day, I took my truck to the Ford dealer to have it worked on, and while I was there, I just kind of looked at some of the cars that were sitting around in the showroom, and I saw a brand new Ford Bronco there. Now, what do you think a brand new Ford Bronco goes for? Have, have you guys gone to the car dealership lately? $85,000 for a Ford Bronco. We're, we're talking, it's just a pretty small vehicle. Uh, I mean, it's nice, but $85,000? Who can afford to buy a car anymore? I mean, the truck I have is, right now, my F-250 that I bought in 2015 is probably worth about the same amount as it was when I bought it. Now, why is this? It's not that things are becoming more valuable. It's that our dollar is going down the tubes and our country is going the way of Venezuela. We're headed towards hyperinflation if things keep going the way they're, they're going. The dollar is becoming worthless. And do you know how that happens? 
You know, ever heard the term supply and demand? Okay, have you heard that they're printing up just tons and tons of money? What happens when there's more money? You know how when there's a, a big supply of a product out there and uh, every, anybody can get it and it, everybody's selling it, it its value kind of goes down. It's not worth as much. Well, cash is the same way. It, it becomes less and less valuable the more of it to, that there is. So overtaxation. Well, we're certainly seeing that overtaxation. Feudalism, okay, what does that mean? People, they, they, they just give up. They feel like, what, what's the point? And we're actually seeing a lot of that right now. Like in the state of New Mexico, you can hardly go into a place. I know the restaurant that's near where I live that I love, they can't open more than four days a week. They can't find enough employees to stay open more than four days a week. I mean, people don't want to work. I don't know if they've just moved out of this state because our government is awful. Our, our, our governor is, is an absolute tyrant. Maybe people just got tired of the nonsense in this state and they left. I don't know. Or people, they got so used to that government money they were getting, they stockpiled that government money and, and they've just kind of reduced their lifestyle a little bit and, and they're just living on that. Now, at some point in time, they're going to run out of that government money and then they're going to be forced to get out and work. So other lesser economic issues included the wholesale hoarding of bullion by Roman citizens. Huh? Hoarding, there we go, I just covered that hoarding. People are hanging on their money. I know personally myself, I am not spending money on anything. I, 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 I really, I'm not sure where the future of, of this country is at this point in time. So what I've been doing over the past couple of years is I have just been paying off all my debt. And by the end of this month, or by the end of this year, I'm going to be mostly debt-free. So I'm going to be able to live on a very small amount of money because I don't know where the money's going to come from down the road, or especially, I don't know how much it's going to be worth. I mean, you heard about what happened in Venezuela. I mean, how much is it going to cost to buy a loaf of bread? A hundred bucks? A thousand? I don't know. I mean, I've heard of some of these failing countries where literally it takes a wheelbarrow of money just to buy a loaf of bread. It, it, that's how bad it can get. So the wholesale hoarding of bullion, well, I'm certainly hoarding mine. Widespread looting of Roman treasury by barbarians. <laughs> looting. We're seeing some looting going on out there also. We're seeing people literally, because of a lack of law enforcement, remember defund the police? Well, let's see how that's working out for you. Like what they've been doing is people literally have been coming into stores with bags, loading up with merchandise, and just walking out because they're not getting prosecuted. There's no, there's no consequences. It's kind of like the real-life purge. You ever seen that movie, The Purge? I love movies. I, I refer to movie movies all the time, movie dialogue. If you took the movie dialogue out of my head, I probably would have trouble communicating with people. Uh, massive trade deficit. Well, there we go. We're seeing that too with the eastern region, regions of the empire. Together, these issues combined to escalate financial stress during the empire's last days. All of that sounds familiar, right? All of that's happening to the United States. You could say that the United States has a culture based on our founding documents and the Constitution. In our country, we all live by the same set of rules. And due to our system we have in place, based on inalienable rights given to us by God, we all live in a civilization based on these principles as American citizens. 
The founding fathers designed our representative republic, not a democracy. They keep trying to say, tell you it's a democracy. It's not a democracy, sorry. In a way to hopefully ensure that our way of life would be preserved. Even though our country is a melting pot of people from all over the world with individual traditions, we all work together as Americans. See now, this is the problem with filling the country with illegal aliens. There are literally millions of illegal aliens in this country right now. So most of them, they don't speak English. And we're, they're trying to actually make it so that they can vote, okay? What, what's one reason that people will vote for a particular candidate? It's when it's the Santa Claus syndrome. It's like when they promise to give them free stuff. Well, these people are coming into the country. They're not going to find it easy to get a job because they, they're not citizens. Most of them don't have a driver's license. They don't speak English. And so, therefore, they're going to have a hard time getting a job. So some politician coming along and offering to give them free stuff is going to look really, really inviting. Say, hey, you know, if you'll vote for a Democrat, I'll give you free stuff. They're literally trying to buy votes. That's exactly what's going on. And later on, I think I might talk a little bit, of, since that kind of fits into this whole SB8 thing that they're trying to put through in New Mexico, we might talk about that. I'll talk about that with Mr. Zanetti. I'm sure he'll enjoy that conversation. Our system of government based on by the people and for the people has resulted in our country being the land of opportunity in which all citizens have the freedom and opportunity to reach any goal they choose to pursue. The United States has become more successful than any country in the world in a very short period of time. I mean, 250 years, look, look how far we've came. It's, we're farther than uh, some countries that have been out there for thousands of years. Think about that. And why is that? What's the one thing we got going for us that most other countries don't? We have freedom. And people have the freedom to choose their own destiny and be successful and reap the rewards of their efforts. Over the years, there have been forces both outside our country and within that have been working to destroy our way of life and replace it with a form of government in which the people are subjugated by the government. Now, one thing, if you all have heard me talking about before about the Constitution, which I love talking about the Constitution, it's really, really um, not complicated. But the people, we the people, the reason I say we the people is because we the people are at the top of the chain of command. We're at the top. The government is below us. So those thirsty for money and power over others will always push for more con government control because, hey, if the government's offering free stuff, of course I want the government to have as much power as possible because they're going to take it from these other people, these rich people that don't deserve it, and they're going to give it to me. I these people, they get referred to by all kinds of names. Despots, tyrants, dictators totalitarians, fascists, communists, socialists. And now we have some new terms, progressives. I would like to know what we're progressing towards. What they're progressing towards is more socialism, which I, I don't see prog that, that as progress at all. And my personal favorite is a democratic socialist. 
And, you know, I got to go into explaining this one because it's, it's so, it's such an oxymoron. It, the two words, they just don't go to, well, they kind of, really, I can explain it to where they do go together rather well. Okay, so, first of all, socialist. A socialist is somebody, they want to control everybody else's lives and tell them what to do. Well, if a socialist gets democratically elected, then it's kind of questionable about whether after that socialist is in charge about whether you in fact have a democracy anymore at all. Then you have something else. Then you have like a dictatorship or a, something like that. But you could think about it this way. I was thinking about some of these other countries that, uh, that are dictatorships and they have elections. A lot of them have elections and they're socialist, but they have elections. So you might say they're democratic because they have an election. You go to the, to the polling place and there's one person on the ballot and you're told you got to vote for that person because there's nobody else running. So yes, they're democratically elected because everybody votes for them every time and then they stay in power. <laughs> that's the, that's the best, best explanation I can come, in, come up with for that. So if one wanted to take a country like the United States, which is based on freedom and liberty, and turn it into a totalitarian state, how would one carry that out? Well, I noticed something. I, I was listening to a Senate Judiciary meeting this morning on the, on the phone, and the topic, there was one of the representatives, which I give him a lot of credit for this. He brought up the topic that unelected bureaucrats are essentially making laws. Well, that's a real problem. So let me continue on this. I'm going to get into that. First of all, you would start out by creating a large, complex bureaucracy that consumes a large percentage of the available resources of the country. This bureaucracy made up of many agencies and cabinet departments of government, as well as in 20 or more independent agencies, would have rulemaking powers. When I say independent, I mean independent of elected officials, and therefore independent of we the people. This system has evolved incrementally over time since the founding of the nation to grow into something so big that nobody really knows how it all works. And really, that's, the, that's part of the purpose. That's also part of the purpose why these write, they write these bills that are hundreds of pages long. Because who's going to read it? I, I don't think that our elected representatives even read it. I, a while back, there was a couple of um, election reform bills that came out that were rather long. There was one in Georgia that came out. And it was rather long. I read the whole thing, though. I did. Because the Democrats were coming out and saying that it was racist and that it disenfranchised people and kept black people from voting after church and all this other nonsense. I don't even know how it makes any sense. So anyway, so I read the whole thing and was able to basically shoot down every single ridiculous argument Chucky Schumer and all his, his other idiot friends in, in, in the government were talking about. All of them made no sense at all. But what they're counting on is they're counting on having an ignorant population that will not take that amount of time. It took me days to read that because I'm actually really not the fastest reader because I kind of read things a, a word at a time because I like to really, really soak it in because if I read it like that, it's like I remember all of it. So even though it took over two centuries for this bloated, overgrown swamp to come into being, now that it is in place, it is completely out of control. 
rules, regulations, and mandates have started to take the place of actual laws. Part of the problem is the poor education of our children receive on how the government is founded is supposed to work. I think this is actually by design. In fact, our children are not receiving an education, they're receiving indoctrination by teachers and professor professors that were also indoctrinated in the same way. Now, instead of teaching them things like civics classes and how the government works, and heck, they could, they could just go back to at least some of that stuff that was on Sesame Street with like Schoolhouse Rock, and, and they could probably learn more than what they're learning in school now about civics. I love that one that's, I'm just a bill, I'm only a bill, and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. I played that one one time on the radio. I love it. It's so educational. Now, instead, what they're doing is they're teaching CRT, critical race theory, because they want people to know that, you know, uh, white people are all racist, and they hate you if you're, if you're any other color. Ridiculous nonsense like that. They're teaching children how to hate Children don't know how to hate by nature. They're, they're born colorblind. And if you just let them develop and, and, and socialize with their friends in school, they don't, they don't care what color they are. They really don't. Kids are like, little kids are like the most, they, they see things in such a very basic, nice way. I sometimes wish adults could see things the same way children do. How many people have ever even read the US Constitution? It's not really a big read, and if one does read it, most people don't understand the meaning of many of the words used in it. And if you heard me on that other show I was doing, I went through most of the Constitution and broke it down word by word and explained what each word means. Like, just while I'm on that subject, let me tell you. The word shall. If you read the Constitution, you will see the word shall popping up all over the place. I mean, it's like... God, it's like almost in every sentence. And you might think that if, if you don't educate yourself on that in everyday language, you think of the word shall as being something, well, you can do it if you want to. But no, not in the Constitution. In the Constitution, it, the word shall is very, very definite. It means it will be done, period, without exception. Like in the Second Amendment where it says, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Those words, shall not be infringed, right there, okay? So anytime they come up with any kind of gun law whatsoever, I mean, they've already broken the Second Amendment so many times already. Any law against you having any type of firearm, any type of firearm, even if you want to have a cannon like Joe, Joe Biden talks about, you can have a cannon if you want to. According to the Second Amendment, you can have any weapon that you want, including a machine gun. I'd like to have a machine gun. They're kind of fun. I shot one the other day at the range. They're a blast. Anyway, so I found by listening to many of our politicians, lawyers, and judges discussing proposed laws that they don't have an understanding of the Constitution themselves. You would think that since these people have taken an oath to uphold our freedom and liberty, that these people would have the Constitution memorized, wouldn't you think? Especially some of these, these people that have been in, 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 in the government for, what, half a, half a century? I mean, some of them literally. I mean, how old is Nancy Pelosi anyway? Is she at least over 100 years old by now? I don't know. Seems like she's been there forever. So I wonder if any of them have actually read the Constitution. 
I, I'm, kind of, I'm really, really wondering that. Remember the second impeachment of Donald Trump after he was supposedly not president anymore? The reason I say supposedly is because you can't impeach a private citizen. And that's in the Constitution, too. It's spelled out very clearly. Only a politician actively serving in office. It seemed to me to be an admission that they knew Biden was not really elected. Remember how Chief Justice John Roberts refused to preside over this proceeding? How many people don't know that it is required by the U.S. Constitution for it to be considered legal? If the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is not presiding, it is not meeting the requirements set forth in the Constitution. Remember how citizen Donald Trump was denied due process in this fraudulent impeachment. Do the members of Congress not know that this entire fiasco was completely unconstitutional, therefore illegal, or do they simply not care anymore and figure since the American public is ignorant and no longer pays attention that they can get away with it? I think that's exactly what they think. This should scare the hell out of everyone because if they can do something like this to someone as rich and powerful as Donald Trump, just imagine what they can do to the ordinary living pay to, paycheck to paycheck everyday citizen if you get out of line. A recent example of the bureaucracy trampling over the typical working class citizen is how the CDC ordered healthy people to wear a mask, not to mention you know, a cloth mask, okay? No scientific evidence whatsoever. As a matter of fact, there's plenty of scientific evidence that shows that that is absolute, total nonsense. They closed people's businesses. They closed down churches. They denied people the right to attend one's funeral, a loved one's funeral, or even be by a loved one's hospital bed as they took their last breaths. Remember how I talked about traditions early on? This is like a very basic tradition. Different people have different traditions on how they, how they handle a loved one dying or after a loved one has died, how they, the kind of ceremony that they have afterwards. All of these traditions were denied. How is it that so many people follow orders of these government agencies full of unelected people without question. It's because people are ignorant to, they're ignorant to the Constitution. They don't know what their rights are. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing here. I'm trying to wake people up. The media was originally intended to serve as the watchdog for the people to dig for the truth. Unfortunately, the same universities that invented the bureaucratic system have been teaching their version of journalism to the people that now run most of the media outlets. From what I've seen, there is not much real journalism going on. You hear basically the same story coming out of the mouths of all the reporters from multiple networks and channels. They even use almost the same exact words. They're not even creative enough to make it sound like their own. <laughs> so, you know, 
sometime back, there's this thing, you can do a little searching on the internet, you might find if it hasn't been censored and removed now by, uh, the, uh, by the tech giants that seem to censor everything nowadays. <clears throat> but there's a collage on there where they're showing like a particular story was going around and uh, the media outlets, I mean, we're talking about not just the same network, we're talking about multiple networks across multiple channels across the country giving exactly the same story and using exactly the same spin words. Now, this kind of reminds me of, have you ever noticed like if you have like a GPS in your car that occasionally, even though you've got the latest and greatest updated map in your GPS, that occasionally there's an address that's just completely off, just randomly? You ever wondered why that is? Let me tell you why that is. The why that is, is that's the designer's signature on that particular map. And if somebody else plagiarizes all of their hard work designing that map, and they see that map pop up on another GPS that's another brand, and it's got that same exact error, then you know somebody's ripped you off and stole your intellectual property. Over the past couple of years, we've seen them prop up a handful of so-called experts, which I refer to as TV doctors. They play doctors on TV. I kind of wonder if they're really real doctors. To support the narrative, they choose to try to make people believe. Unfortunately, most people only get their news from a single outlet and believe it is all the truth. If it's on TV, it must be the truth, right? I, re I used to remember that we used to say that about the internet. If it's on the internet, it must be the truth. I'd like to point out something said in a letter from a young Winston Churchill to the writer H.G. Wells in 1901. Churchill wrote, nothing would be more fatal than for the government of states to get into the hands of the experts. Expert knowledge is limited knowledge, and the unlimited ignorance of the plain man who knows only what hurts is a safer guide than any vigorous direction of a specialized character why should you assume that all except doctors, engineers, etc., are drones or worse? If the ruler is to be an expert in anything, he should be an expert in everything. And that is plainly impossible. So, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. I've known a few doctors. I've known a few engineers. I mean, I'm an engineer myself, but, unfortunately, but I, fortunately for me, I've expanded my knowledge way beyond just engineering stuff. But a lot of people, they'll... They'll be an engineer, they'll be a doctor, and they, they do the same job every day for their entire life. They never learn anything else. And so they might be a good doctor, and they might be a good engineer, but they don't really know much of anything else. So for you to think that they can, say a doctor, that supposedly is a uh, very skilled epidemiologist, can make policy and determine what's good for people economically. Um, you need to think about that quite a lot. And talking about that, remember the statement made by the pompous Mr. Science himself, Dr. Anthony Fauci, as he was being grilled on Capitol Hill by Senator Rand Paul? I loved that one. I love Rand Paul. He's awesome. He says, they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. 
So how about the fact that 50,000 doctors, scientists, and medical research signed the Great Barrington Declaration? I guess these people don't know what they're talking about, all 50,000 of them. This document reminds people that you cannot suppress a widely disseminated contagious virus through shutdowns and mass isolation, and that if you try, you will cause massive destruction of new kinds, such as unemployment, bankruptcy, depression, suicide, multiplying public debt, broken supply chains, and increases of other serious health problems. This is happening. The facts are out there to back it up. But you're not going to get it from the mainstream news because all they're doing is pushing the narrative every single day. Think about this example I read about that involves a 30-year-old diner called Spangler's Family Restaurant in Jonesville, Michigan. The business was founded by his late father, and Mitch was purchasing the business from his mother. The payments to his mother depended upon the revenues of the business, and his mother's retirement depended upon the payments. The life's work of two generations was at stake. Mitch was also helping to support a daughter in college. This is not to mention the more than 20 employees whose livelihoods are dependent on Spangler's. He stated, our employees are moms who have kids, Spangler told the local paper. One of our employees is pregnant. Another is a 19-year-old kid. This is his first job, and he just bought a car. Our leaders in Washington treat it as a small thing when trillions are being thrown about. To the Spanglers and people like them, their relatively small revenue streams are everything to them. Now, think about this, and this has happened in New Mexico over the past couple years due to our little tiny tyrant in Santa Fe. She forced 40% of the businesses that were shut down went out of business. Now, what happens when you go out of business? Well, I can tell you what, goes out, what happens when you go out of business. Oftentimes, you hang on for as long as you possibly can. You exhaust all of your life savings. You mortgage your home, thinking that things are going to get better before you run out of money. I would, ima I would imagine that this evil woman in Santa Fe is probably, re uh, is probably responsible for thousands of people going bankrupt. Probably some of these people... I don't know if you, what it's like to be destitute and be completely out of money and not knowing where you're going to buy your next meal or pay your utility bill or, or pay your mortgage so you don't lose your home. It can be very stressful and it can feel like it's the absolute end of the world for you. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if there were a lot of suicides and she can take credit for that. But luckily, in Mr. Spangler's case, he didn't submit. Unlike a lot, and, and I've, this is what I've been saying for the last two years, and I've been telling people, do not comply. Say no. Stand your ground. And we saw this the other day. Pastor Smotherman, he refused to close his church. He, he refused to give in. And now they've finally given up on him, and he, he, didn't, he never paid a penny. He says, no, I'm not going to pay a penny of these fines. Peaceful, peaceful noncompliance. That's what you have to do, because nothing about this is legal. Mandates are not legal. The governor does not have the right to make law. So Spangler, he didn't submit, despite harassing visits from various government agencies, including the Agriculture Department of all places. <laughs> How does that have anything to do with a restaurant? 
He kept his business open in defiance of the unconstitutional mandates, and many other patriots joined the fight with him to save his business. People donated money. They came to his rescue. They said, hey, you're going to stand up. I'm going to stand with you. As a matter of fact, his business is absolutely booming, and he's got more business than he knows what to do with. It seems there are a lot of other people out there that are in favor of freedom. Now, we had a situation similar to this in Albuquerque. Unfortunately, we, uh, we lost. Backstreet Grill in Old Town. I was involved in that. I'll proudly say I was involved in that. I spent many, many days at Backstreet Grill along with a whole bunch of my Patriot friends. We stood our ground, and when those officials showed up at the gate, we all stood in their way and didn't let them in. And we did that for weeks, and we kept them open. But you know how they ultimately shut them down? And actually, I look back on this, and I wish, I wish that we would have went a little further. They, re they threatened to turn off their utilities. Now, I look back on it now, it's like, well, why didn't we just pull together and say, hey, tell you what, we'll bring our charcoal grills, we'll bring, uh, we'll bring uh, cases of water, whatever it takes to keep you open. And, and we probably could have won. But this points out how when you destroy a small business, you not only possibly bankrupt the owner, but possibly destroy the lives of the employees and those that depend on them. Imagine the business owners, employees, and dependents of those employees that have been negatively affected by the actions of our tiny tyrant here in New Mexico alone. That's where 40% of the businesses that were put out of business by these tyrannical mandates. This is why you have to know the law, you have to know the Constitution, you have to know that we the people are in charge. I would assume that millions of lives have been destroyed by these unlawful actions by our government around the country. Millions. We're even hearing stories of parents being investigated by the FBI's counterterrorism division for speaking out at school meetings in defense of their children. That Merrick, Merrick, or Merrick, yeah, Merrick Garland, remember that guy that uh, Trump uh, managed to not allow to be... Um, put into the Supreme Court, don't you see how we dodged a bullet there? That guy is evil. We have the right to make a living, the right to raise our children the way we see fit. We have the right to participate in our government. Even if we're not a so-called expert, we have the right to exercise all of our God-given rights. The U.S. Constitution protects our unalienable rights and recognizes that certain universal rights cannot be taken away by legislation as they are beyond the control of a government being naturally given to every individual at birth and that these rights are retained throughout life. A quote from the Declaration of Independent States, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And when I say men, I mean all people. Okay, none of this nonsense where they try to redefine that uh, with this politically correct nonsense. All men, it's referring to all of us, men, women, everything in between, everything, all the 51 genders, whatever the hell you want to say. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The word unalienable is defined as not transferable to another or not capable of being taken away or denied. It is the job of our elected officials to protect our rights, not to infringe upon them. We can only lose our rights if we willingly give them away. 
Our rights cannot be suspended under any circumstance. Not the Rona, not any kind of emergency. No, we have those rights regardless. Politicians are like vampires. The bad ones are, at least. They can't bite you and drain the life out of you unless you invite them in. You know, you've seen those sci-fi movies where they're sprinkling salt along the threshold and things like that to keep these evil things out? Yeah, well, that's the way these, that's the way these evil politicians are. They can't do anything that you don't let them do. Factors that led to the ultimate fall of the mighty Roman Empire, the collapse of the economy in Venezuela, the events that led up to the atrocities in Nazi Germany, as well as elements of tyranny that history tells us about in other socialist communist countries, we're seeing it in today's world. Those factors include inflation, food shortages, out-of-control crime, government overreach, personal liberty trampled, loss of hope, traditions and customs being destroyed, open borders and the destruction of our sovereignty as a nation, our culture and civilization that is the United States of America is under attack by the very politicians that are supposed to be fighting for us. <laughs> anyway, so, um, wow, we got a few minutes left in this first hour. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and announce uh, General Greg Zanetti, which has joined me today. And uh, Greg, what's going on today? Thank <laughs> it's you a pleasure to be here on your first show, and seeing your show prep is really impressive. You put in an awful lot of time for a <laughs> wonderful do. monologue. Well done. I, I do. You know, I, I, I write, I'll, I'll write a monologue, but as you might have noticed, it's like, only about half of what I said was actually in what I wrote. Right. So the, the monologue I write is pretty much something that just kind of, uh, it gets me going. And, and once, once the, the thoughts are flowing, it's like I can just go and go and go. No, you can go from Rome to the Supreme Court to legislation. <laughs> well, pretty impressive. <laughs> so tell me, g give me some of your, th just some of the thoughts on the top of your head of, over what I said about what's going on these days with, with this attack on our civilization. Wh what do you think? I, I'm going to go ahead and give you the last 10 minutes. <laughs> well, I, I'll say this, is that what we're going through here is what you said. It's not new. It is what happens with uh, nations, countries, empires. Now, Rome managed to remake itself actually 11 times during this thousand-year history. Uh, but at the end, you're right, all those things you, you spelled out came to pass. There's a great story. I wasn't going to talk about this today, but it's about Caligula. Yeah, go ahead. And what, what he did was supply chains. He was kind of a strange dude, wasn't he? Oh, Caligula? he was absolutely out of his yeah, mind, yeah. mad. So what he wanted to do was have an uh, honorary procession for himself between two of his cities, the trouble was these two cities were separated by a bay. So what he did was he commandeered all of the merchant ships. And then he lined them up side by side by side for three miles across this bay to connect these cities. He then laid planks across you know, all the ships. And then he had to have some ballast. So he brought in basically dirt to make it smooth like a highway. He turned them into a floating bridge. A floating bridge, exactly <laughs> right. And then so he could drive his chariot across it to honor himself. Oh, my gosh. The trouble was this. Those merchant ships were the ships that brought beef and wine from Spain. 
they brought the grains from North Africa. They, they, they brought in the olives from Greece. I mean, it was this kind of thing. Basically, what he did is he broke the supply chains. And when he did, prices soared. There was famine. And, of course, he blamed his political enemies because that's, that's how it all goes down. <laughs> and all of it out of ego and pride and hubris. And this is kind of what you see now out of our leaders. Are you trying to say that politicians have egos? <laughs> it's <laughs> eventually become led by a bunch of sociopaths. Yeah, I've and, seen that. And so now you look at today and, and you look at this kind of magical thinking that we have coming out of Washington or out of Santa Fe, these decrees on how things will be with no regard for, as Winston Churchill said, the common man. Yeah. And so, oh, I don't know, I'll just give you a quick you know, example from, from my life. As you, your listeners might know, you know, I was raised here in New Mexico. I went to Valley High School from Valley to West Point. Eventually ended up a brigadier general, and my unit got deployed to Guantanamo Bay. And I was the deputy commander and then the commanding general at Gitmo. Well, this was right at kind of the time when President Bush was leaving and President Obama was coming in. And you may remember this. Uh, the very first executive order that Obama signed was to close Guantanamo Bay. Do you oh, remember that? Yes, I do remember that. All right, so we knew all that was coming. So I called up to the Pentagon and said, all right, fellas, we're shutting her down. Fine with us. Send us home. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in charge? Who's coordinating this? Becca Marie, nobody had, been, nobody had been assigned. So the State Department had a contingent at Gitmo. So I never talked to those guys. I said, all right, fellas, all right, we're shutting her down. You're moving these knuckleheads. Where are they going? No one had been assigned. The Air Force had no idea where they were going to be flying. Nothing was done. It was my first experience with leadership by decree. A fiat, an announcement. We shall. shall. <laughs> the word shall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the leader leaves the room. Can you imagine running your business like this? I mean, with, with no planning, with no contingency planning, with no thought for the money, all these things that we would all just naturally do. Right. All right, well, what did you just see? And you brought it up. What just happened in Afghanistan? It was the same thing. Biden says, we shall leave Afghanistan, makes the pronouncement on, on August 31st, we'll be out. Okay. And you saw what happened. What did we leave behind? How many... $86 billion worth of equipment by conservative estimates. Yeah. How many people lost their lives? I mean, this debacle on the world stage. And by the way, there have been second and third order effects with our currency. We could get into that here in just a minute, too. But he did the exact same thing. And how does MLG govern? It's the same way. Oh, yeah. But these pronouncements, we shall do this. Well, all right, we're going to shut down all the restaurants to uh, 25%. Why 25? Why not 24? Yeah. <laughs> Why not 28? Where did this come from? Or like the minimum wage. They, say, they right. say it should be $15 an hour. Well, why not make it $50 an hour? Well, I mean, I, I could thought. live much better on $50 an hour than 15 well, I've always thought I mean, it while should, we're at it. Well, make it 1000 a a Make us all millionaires and we'll sure. all be rich. Right. Which is actually what's going on right now as well. You mentioned when you were talking about Rome with the money. Really, if you want to follow the rise and the fall of a civilization, you can trace it through the money. Uh, if you look at the early Roman coins, uh -huh. y y you'll see that they were gold and silver. And then toward the middle of the empire, they become composites. They start to add bronze to the gold, tin to the silver, this kind of thing. Golden age, bronze age. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like 
Right. It just it just becomes more and more worthless. Right, but by the yeah. end of the empire, they were the coins were basically slugs. I mean, it was all you know base metals pretending to be money. And what happened when you said people were hoarding the real money? You know, the gold and the silver. That's that's very common. And this is actually what you're seeing now in our markets. So, for example, most your listeners won't know this, but our Federal Reserve, the the, the group that prints our money, right? Yeah. Do you know that they, in the last two quarters, have bought 60 tons of gold for their own account? Oh, really? Well, but they're telling us the dollar is solid as a rock. Well, but the dollar is so darn solid, why are you guys buying gold? Now, is this one of these things that has to do with, like, the Rothschilds, where they own the banks and stuff like that, where they pretty much have all the money? Oh, yeah. From all the countries, they have all the money. Yeah, what people don't understand about the banking system is that— It's the, complicated. Well, it, yeah, it is and it isn't. What we did, was we, in 1913, we outsourced our money supply to a private contractor, the Federal Reserve. Well, it's as federal as Federal Express. It's right. a private it's company. It's just a name. <laughs> well, it, it's a stupid name. It's not yeah. federal, right. and it has no reserves. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyway, so we, we, we assigned the contractor to, you know, print up the money. By the, all right, so who are their clients? All right, see, the Federal Reserve sits at the top of it. Well, not quite the top of this triangle. We'll get to that in just a minute. And then you have your Wall Street banks. So you've got to think City, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan. Then you kind of work your way down to your national banks and your regional banks like, you know, Wash Fed, you know, this kind of thing. And finally, you get to your local banks. All right, well, this same private structure exists in Europe. You know, bottom-up, you know, local, regional, national. You get to the European Central Bank, a private bank. Same in Japan. You get to the Bank of Japan, Bank of China, Bank of England, and Bank of Switzerland. Those are your motherships. There's one above them all. It's the Bank for International Settlements, the International Monetary Fund in Basel, Switzerland. The IMF, yeah. Right, so this circles back to your Rothschild thing. Uh They have a board of directors, they have shareholders. The same thing at the Federal Reserve, same thing at the bank. All across the globe, governments have now become beholden to these banks because they control the money. And most people don't understand how this system works, but what they're doing now, just you know, recent headlines. You might have seen last mm-hmm. week, we went over $30 trillion in debt, right? That's, that's terrifying. Well, sure. I mean, we can't even calculate it. I, I, I remember when we were talking about being a trillion dollars in debt and how people were panicking. Right. It's like we're way beyond that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're yeah. past the point of no return. Yeah. All right. But, but when did we go over $29 trillion in debt? Seven weeks previous. Think about that. We added a tr- trillion dollars in debt in seven weeks. Well, that's the problem. You know, interest, it gets more and more as you got more debt. Right. And so the debt increases. Well, sure. Yeah. And so this is why we're at 0% interest rates, basically. Mm-hmm. So it, we're hitting the point of no return just mathematically. So let's pretend that we believe the Federal Reserve, that they're going to normalize interest rates. We can't stay down here at zero forever, especially with inflation now running. What they say is 7%. But if you really listen to the independent guys who follow, follow the real numbers, inflation's running between 10 and 15%. And that's what the common men and women are feeling out there. Mm-hmm. All right, but let's just take their number. Let's just say right, we've got 7% inflation. If you're earning half a percent on your CD, all right, well, you're losing money. So everybody sees this. So he's saying, right. well, we're going to raise rates. You are? All right, let's say you got rates up to 6. 
let's just do some quick math. It's not hard. $30 trillion, 6% interest, uh, 1.8 trill a year in interest payments. Do you know how much income tax we collected last year? 1.9 trill. All right, so we're collecting 1.9 trillion in that income tax. Much to pay the bills no, and left, 1.8 trillion goes out in interest. Yeah, <laughs> you have hit the wall. Yeah. So, and by the way, we're not alone in this. Uh, China's in this boat. Japan is in this boat. So, your socialist Europe that that we're all at this wall. So, what do they? What are they going to do? They're going to print their way out of this thing, and then they they want to roll out the digital currency. Oh, that, that should really scare you there. Sure. Because if, if they have digital currency, then they really do control everything you do. Yeah, and people don't quite understand this. Well, I get paid digitally now anyway. I get my Social Security check exactly. and digits are po- deposited at my yeah. bank. No, it's not the same. No. Uh, the working name for this in the United States is called FedCoin. And if your listeners went to the Internet and you look up the Banking for All Act or the illicit, illicit <laughs> cash act, what you'll see is what they want to do is get rid of cash and move to digital Fed coin, which are programmable. So imagine your cell phone and the Federal Reserve says, all right, we want you to download the Fed coin app. <laughs> How long will it take a millennial to download that app? Oh, I don't know, uh, 10 seconds. And then what they're gonna do is they're gonna drop money into your phone, which you can use for any purpose, and we'll get to the negatives on this in just a minute. We'll continue. So everybody, we'll be right back after this. 